0: employers have realized that in most cases, uh, productivity in remote teams is not affected. And in fact, for us, we have noticed a slight increase in performance since we also are now a remote company.
1: Hi there, Pauline here, Head of Marketing at Arcanis, a software team augmentation partner in the Philippines. Today, I'm co-hosting this episode with Arcanis co-founder, Fred. Hi, Fred.
0: Hi, Pauline.
1: So, we'll dive today uh, into the mechanics of outsourcing, particularly the timing and the triggers that push companies for it. Um, Fred, you'll you'll share with us today your, your knowledge and experience building software teams for many, many years. Um, along with practical tips for those who may be considering taking the plunge. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh,
1: Me too. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So actually, my my first question to you is um, quite simple, really. When is a good time to look at outsourcing? Um,
0: uh, Well, I think it's always a good time um, until there's a crisis, which is really... I think the worst time to look into it, and and the question of outsourcing happens when companies face uh, certain struggles that push them to rethink the current way of of doing things.
1: Okay, so sorry, what what kind of crises are we talking about here?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's usually when companies notice that either they can't do as much as their as their clients want them to do, and maybe start missing opportunities. Or they struggle to retain talent, or they they think they need to work in a more cost-effective way to produce the same results, and and so the, the good thing is that companies they they rarely wait until it's like full full crisis mode to start looking at different options uh, that would ease their challenges,
1: right. and
0: outsourcing is really one of the ways to to um, to look into a different uh, different options, and. These companies, they, they start looking into options when the, the itch is usually annoying enough that it makes them move into action. And right. I I believe that companies should never wait until it's like a flu- full-blown crisis to look into outsourcing because usually any rush decision is usually bad. And and like in any relationship, um, setting up a new team with an outsourcing partner takes a bit of time and effort. Um which is really not what is you know uh, the best idea when when a company is facing a, a crisis,
1: right? I see. Yeah. So um, these challenges that you you're talking about and that can be eased somehow, uh, with outsourcing, What are they really? Um, what what makes company want to outsource their software development or extend their development team with a nearshore or offshore company?
0: Yeah. Um, I think the the order of importance depends on the on the type of company, but um, I'm maybe just going to list the uh, uh, the main ones. The, sure. Uh, and it's not in particular uh, order of importance, right? But um, so I think the first trigger for many companies is like it's taking so much time to find developers. And we even more so with COVID, and maybe I'll, um, I'll 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 dig a bit deeper into that yeah. later. But some markets are so competitive that uh, for small to medium businesses that don't have a budget of a unicorn like um, you know Google or in Australia it would be Canva or or um, Atlassian, and it takes I mean it takes really a lot of time to find the right fit for them at the right budget and. This has be- become even worse since, since COVID, and um, actually for, for, for a few reasons. Um, first, there has been a huge increase uh, in terms of workload, because COVID has really sped up uh, the digital adoption by, by several years. It, it really has fast-tracked digital transformation in many businesses, right. because it has forced all these businesses to increase their reliance on digital tools to communicate and, and collaborate online, be it with their, um, uh, I mean, their staff or even, with, I mean, with their clients, really, because nobody's was, you know, getting outside and, and every everything has become, become really remote. And um, so this crisis uh, has really propelled tech innovation in business, which in turn, has increased the need for developers uh, since, you know, all these digital projects suddenly appeared so much more urgent and and got a lot more budget. And for the markets that, I mean, we are looking at, um, which is mostly Australia and New Zealand, um, the border closures in, in these countries and the difficulties for, you know, uh, people outside of the country to obtain working visas since the beginning of the crisis That's right. has only make everything like so much worse in terms of finding disqualified uh, labor onshore. And as I mentioned earlier, these big, there's also these big tech companies that kept on hiring like crazy because um, their own clients had more you know requests. So everything ended up drying up the market. Um, and, and the, the dry market is, is the second why uh, the second reason why companies outsource um, and because when the when the market gets dry the salaries on shore have like become crazy like they've shut up massively and and um, as I mentioned earlier like yeah, Atlassian and canva in Australia the salary expectations for the de- developers have gone up and they go up to I when I look at the market, Uh, on a regular basis, the salaries, I mean, the rates, they can go up to 160000 Australian dollars to $200,000. And everything's compounded by this effect of scarcity. And developers also have learned that um, they can hop from a a decent paying job to a crazy high paying job really easily, which drives another issue, uh, which is the very high attrition rate. So, you have like the scarcity of the time to find developers. You have like the salaries that are going crazy, and then the very high attrition rate, which makes it become really increasingly difficult to keep developers uh, in small and medium uh, businesses in the long term. and And that's because of the one of the fastest ways for developers to increase their salaries is to actually change jobs. So all these current market conditions incentivizes uh developers to change rather often to increase their chances of you know um, a major raise in 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 salaries and on average in australia and new zealand the annual churn rate was above 20 percent already before the pandemic and so um it must be even higher now. I don't have the figures, but uh, I mean, from, from all the people I'm speaking with that reach out to us because they're struggling to find developers, it must be a lot yeah. higher. And what we know about this high attrition rate, it, it's it's really detrimental to to especially small businesses because it has such a high hidden cost. I mean, it's, it's like this compounded effect that I mentioned earlier. First, like, there's, of course, the cost of hiring more people, I mean, expen- I mean expensively, but that's the cost we can see. But um, what a lot of people don't think about is, like, the first thing, it really increases the workload on many departments inside the company with this crazy compounding effect that I mentioned earlier. So you can imagine, like, the more people churn, the busier the recruitment department becomes to simply replace the talent that's leaving
1: and without counting
0: the fact that probably because of these increased amounts of projects uh, that come up on top of regular hiring to grow the team. So um, it's already a lot more work then. So that's on the hiring part. Then it means that a lot of the senior or the lead developers in these development teams have more work to interview the and select the candidates and worse they have to spend a lot of time onboarding these people and transferring the knowledge and only to see these talents leaves leave really quickly which become really demotivating for um, for the, the core team and in addition to that all the time and effort wasted is a major burden when the team could actually focus on the core product so instead of working, um, uh, because there's more developers, so instead of going faster, then suddenly uh, it's not even going faster because everybody's working to onboard the people. Um, yeah. So yeah, instead of releasing new products or features, the team becomes even slower as a whole with a reduction in quality um, because of new people and of course of the quantity of of the output. And, and so here the costs are really hard to calculate, but... They're really huge because they're they are double with an increase in non-productive work and the missed revenue opportunities for for I mean for the business.
1: Yeah, I see. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, going back to um, how the the pandemic has changed the software development landscape and also changed the degree of relevancy uh, for outsourcing, um, especially for mm-hmm. SMEs. You, you mentioned so there's a, a greater demand for software development and um, increased overall digital spending. Um, yeah. Now, how about the, the shift to remote working and its impact on productivity? Could we say also that employers have become um, less skeptical or less resistant or more open somehow to virtual teams? What's your what's your take on
0: that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So employers' skepticism about remote teams has kind of disappeared or at least eroded because everybody has been working from home for several months, especially at the beginning, right, when, uh, when yeah. everybody was under lockdown. Um, but employers have realized that in most cases, uh, productivity in remote teams is not affected. And in fact, for us, we have noticed a slight increase in performance since we also are now a remote company where people have – Really, more time to spend with their families. They're focused on work and spending a lot less time commuting. So it's kind of like an increase in, um, uh, I think, quality of life overall that we at least have noticed um, um, in the company. And That's I'm right. sure you can yeah. you can oh. you can see that because absolutely.
1: I think a lot of us um, feel that way. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you you've you've been able to work almost for a year. Uh, uh in France and um yeah. I've also gone back to see my family and and I think a lot of people in the company also went back to their provinces and um and so everybody has just more time um yeah. um I mean with people they love and without diminishing the time they have for um for work and our clients um I think from the surveys we we've run are are uh, positively um impacted by, by, by that. So if it works right. for us, then it it works for many, many other companies. So, right. but it took, you know, it took a bit of a change, change of mindset. And, um, uh, I don't think we're going to go back to, to, to the, the whole office, um, setup.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so if, if everyone is doing the same and wants to outsource, um, why do these problems not affect companies all around the world? Um,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, so first of all, I think not many companies have really understood the value of a hybrid team setup, or maybe they're afraid uh, to start because, like you know, they've heard so many horror stories and um, uh, like a failed, you know, outsourcing attempts. Um, and and actually, not later than this morning, um, I was speaking with uh, one potential client in in Switzerland that is um, putting himself in a bit of a a crisis because they failed. Um, they've failed at outsourcing a, a few times for many reasons. So I won't go into the details. But um, and now they are in a rush to to start a new outsourcing venture because they they don't have the people. And that's really the best. Uh, I mean, the worst setup to to be in, uh, right. So to be burned and then try to put pressure on the provider to um, to hire people fast, and they reproduce yeah. the same mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is some companies cannot outsource for any regulatory reasons, right? So not everybody is going in that direction um, or not everybody is even realizing that they, they have that option. And I think the second part um, is that lower wage countries like we are in, for example, in the Philippines, but it could be, you know, in Vietnam or some, some other countries, they usually have a much younger and larger population than Australia and New Zealand the U.S. or even Western European right. countries. So the town pool is extremely large and can usually cope with the demand. And a younger population means that every year, millions of developers are hitting the market and are ready to work with you know com- companies in more developed markets. And these lower-wage countries, they're also much less exposed to digital transformation for now uh, than more developed economies. And uh third, uh, the salaries are also going up in lower wage countries, but given the huge difference in base prices, and even if the increase in percentage is similar to what developed countries are seeing at the moment, and it, which is really high, the impact of the final cost is still absolutely worth it. And, and the savings can go up to 60% compared to the local market. However, what I've also learned this morning from this lead I was speaking with, some markets are really so hot that, uh, for example, Ukraine, until we don't know when uh, with uh, current events, but uh, has seen in price increases from certain providers going up to, you know, what I've heard this morning was 20, 30, 40%. That made outsourcing really impossible. And that's not something that we're seeing now in the Philippines um, because, uh, uh, I don't know for maybe geographic reasons or because the pool is you know much bigger than uh, um, than it is in Ukraine. In the Philippines, is one hundred ten million people, so yeah. um, maybe the effects are are lower. And I think last uh, that I um, uh, initially mentioned, but I'll go deeper in that is the base cost is is much lower, right? So even if the increase is is high in terms of percentage, which is not that much. It's kind of the same as in Australia and New Zealand as we we see it. But it also leaves a lot more leeway to offer incredible benefits to these workers. And sometimes local companies in developed countries, they cannot even compete with these benefits. So Google, um, Canva, Atlassian may be able to, but a regular normal startup with a limited budget or, you know, a small to medium business that is just trying to get by, they can't do that. And, but we know that taking extremely good care of employees, both in terms of pay and benefits is super important to keep them. And if you add that on top of that, many learning opportunities, a really great culture that we're, at least for us trying to work on really hard. And then interesting project for the developers to work on, then it becomes a lot less likely that the developer working for an outsourcing company is going to change jobs versus a local company that can't afford to pay and offer Google-like conditions, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you're, you're right. We, we can see how crucial company culture and how crucial the, the focus on the developer's well-being and career are in mm-hmm. in outsourcing companies like um, Arcanis, for example, so... Yeah. Um, thanks. Uh, Fred, I'd like to ask you one more thing before we, we close this episode. Um, what would be your recommendations for the first things to do or the first steps to take, um, when this each is pushing companies to start looking for options?
0: Yeah. Um, so there's a few easy steps I would, I would recommend. Um, um, actually it could be really part of a new episode fully dedicated to that, but, um, in a nutshell, um, first, I think what a lot of companies, well, the majority do, but what a lot of companies don't is to understand really clearly what the issues they're facing internally, right? They have to kind of put words on that and and and, and list them. Um, and that's very important because um, uh, then it allows them to establish clear goals uh, they want to achieve and and what seems the best route to to solve them, right? And then, um, if outsourcing seems to be so that's the st- third point. If if outsourcing seems to be one of the options, um, then start looking for providers. You know, and 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 the question is then how to how to do that, and mm. what we see um, from 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 the people I speak with is some, they ask for you know their network, like their fellow entrepreneur friends, if they have any recommendations, because that's like, uh, we know that references for from trusted people are one of the best ways to find a reliable partner, because if they work well right. with one company, right, it might be so, um, and they can talk about their experience. And one that I find is, or that I think is great, is to run a LinkedIn search to see who in your network could help you. Um, because there's so much information about a person or a business on LinkedIn, and so it's a really good place to start. And maybe you could ask the people whom you're connected to if they can give you some information about the people or companies that show up in your results based on your specific search terms. And you also may find a lot of the, you know, the content that the person or company is putting out there that could help you shortlist a few companies. a third step would be, you know, rating websites such as Clutch or, or like, uh, yeah, Clutch or good firms or G2 Crowd. I don't know if they list uh, software companies, but th- the main one that I know is Clutch. It's a really good way to find providers ranked by what matters to you, right? If you're looking for a mobile application, if you're looking for staff augmentation yeah, right. partner, because I mean, there's different kinds of outsourcing that, uh, outsourcing that we could, you know, mm-hmm. talk about, um, in a third episode we just got you know some yeah. more ideas <laughs> um and and so the fourth is dedicated platforms such as like you know outsource accelerator um and we're going to have an episode with uh, the ceo of outsource accelerator in a few weeks um that could also give us you know some some insights about the current trends in outsourcing so that's the topic we'll talk about Yeah. Um, or there's another platform called Squad Gurus. That's I think more for the US. Or Accelerance. We've also worked with them in the, in the past. And uh, so these guys have usually a list of pre vetted companies that you can search, um, and, okay. and with the specific mm-hmm. angles that are um, um, interesting, you know, to 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 these companies. And um, for the, the, one more is just you know a simple Google search that. Can help you as well, both with uh, you know um, companies that advertise in AdWords or just companies' websites and SEO rankings and uh, stuff like that. But I think this gives you a bit more of a biased version of view of your options because they would you know target yeah unless
1: certain... you unless you really know what you're looking for or maybe search for the the right keywords, I guess.
0: Yeah, and and even that they can tweak you know whatever they want. So it's always good to mm. go on like some third party come through some third party stuff that with, uh, you know, social proof of these companies. So it's a good way to start, but then I think you got to take a step back and look at, okay, how, where are they pre- present and, and how, what are people telling about them? You know? Right. Um, and one more um, that I think is uh, growing and with, uh, one way that led me to make a lot of purchases is really to listen to podcasts. So you can search in Apple, Spotify or Amazon or podcasts that are interesting to you by topic. And because there's a lot of stuff to learn about different options in, in podcasts, right? Um, Cause they go into, into, um, into more detail, just like, I hope you're learning something from this episode. Yeah. I'm and working. so, The last step I think we should cover today is like once you've, you know, you've got all these information about different providers and stuff like that, then um, I don't think it's really worth like contacting really like the 15 that you've found, right? Um, uh, With all the information that you've got online, uh, it's about to select a few providers. Um, I mean, a short list of maybe two or three to then get into deeper discussions. Because um, if you've done your pre vetting well, then uh, uh, you know uh, you should be able to 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 go into deeper discussions. And speaking of okay. that, um, uh, we we've actually posted an entire series of like is it seven podcasts that we did, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That are fine you can find on Apple or or Spotify or even on YouTube, I think, um, on how to select your outsourcing partner. And so we're going through like the different kinds of uh, outsourcing. Uh, things you can do, and um, and then all the different aspects that I think a company should should look into, uh, depending Absolutely. on on what matters to uh, to them. I think they're quite in depth. It's I don't know how many yeah, hours is that? Like maybe that's, a, um, four, two hours.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how many hours, but that's uh, that's uh, in, indeed a very um easy to follow very detailed and comprehensive um step by step guide so yeah, absolutely we'll make sure it's available yeah. in the description of this episode
0: yeah yeah, we can put um i mean the the link of the episode in the in the comments or in the uh episode description or whichever platform you're
1: you're on absolutely and
0: and yeah and uh um, yeah, so I think what do you think pauline should we wrap up for for this one and and um
1: yeah, sure. We can uh, uh, continue the discussion in a in a in the next episode. But um, thank you so much, Fred, for taking the time um, with me. I really, really look forward to continuing the discussion you, in the next episode. Yeah, it's great. Yeah,
0: and thank so you. Um,
1: where where people can um, find you and and follow you along?
0: Yeah. So. Uh, um, I think the one way to get in touch is uh, through LinkedIn through my profile. So it's uh, I mean Frederick Joy. Uh, we'll probably put uh, some information on on the screen when when we when we publish that. Uh, of course, there's the Arcanis uh, LinkedIn page or the Arcanis website, and um, you can also find us on the uh, podcast. Smarter is it Smarter Outsourcing? Um, both on Apple, uh, Spotify, and YouTube as well, uh, where you you can find a lot more episodes that we did um, already. And um, I think the last thing I need to do uh, is to thank you for being a really great host today. Um, And I'm really happy we launched this new format. And um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a a lot more episodes. I hope Um, so, yeah.
1: Thanks so much for your time, Fred. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Pauline.